Our Old Testament scripture reading is Psalm 103, and our, our New Testament scripture reading, which is also our text this morning, will be from Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, we'll be reading verses 1 through 6. Hear now the word of God. Psalm 103, a psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As the flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And the place and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his army, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And then in the New Testament, the book of Ephesians chapter 1, we'll be focusing on verses 3 through 6, but let's begin in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him, in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted 
in the beloved. The grass withers and the flower falls, but God's word abides forever. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for this glorious passage of Scripture, both Old and New Testament, as David celebrates the blessedness of those whom you shine your favor upon, your grace to us. We thank you, Lord, for inspiring the Apostle Paul, guiding and directing him to write this letter to the Ephesians and through him and them to us as well. To those who are trusting in you, you are our Lord and Savior. And we are your people, your saints. And so we pray that you would enable us to comprehend with all the saints the height and the breadth and the depth and the width of your love revealed to us here in the blessings that are found, especially in God the Father as we look at you, Father, who are blessed and who bless us. And so we ask, O oh Lord, that you'd open our hearts and plant your word deep within and that we would come forth from this place praising you, thanking you in word and deed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says God is love. Heard that before? God is love? Yep, good. You can nod your head. I like the conversation, by the way. Okay. You've heard it. Uh, uh, the song, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. You've heard that before. These are simple phrases. As a matter of fact, there was once a great theologian who was asked the question, what is the most profound uh, insight he has ever found in the Bible? And he said those words, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. These are simple words, yet how vast, how immeasurable are these truths. They're the greater than the vastness of space, the love of God. Is that what we have before us in our text? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Is that an evidence of the love of God toward you and me? And the answer is yes. Remember, love defined is caring for someone outside of yourself. That's a good definition of love. Caring for, concerned about someone outside of yourself. Does God love us? Does he care about us? Is he concerned about us? Yes, that's why Jesus came, isn't it? Greater love is no man than this, that he would lay down his life for us. So uh, you have in... Your, um, in the bulletin, you have the uh, outline, if you follow along with it. The Apostle Paul begins this epistle, this letter of grace. That's what we last week said, this letter is a letter of grace. By focusing our attention on the source of all blessings. That is the triune God. We are greatly blessed due to the greatness of the blessedness of God. Then he moves on to reveal and revel in 
the blessings that each person of the Godhead lavishes upon the beloved in Christ. And so in our verses this morning, especially in verses uh, 3 through 6, we're focusing on the Father. So Paul will first focus on the Father and what the Father blesses us with. And then beginning in verse 7, he focuses on Christ. And then later on in this first section, uh, which ends in verse 14, focuses on the Holy Spirit. So the triune God is glorified here. So just for review, why do we have this letter? Why are we here? What are we doing looking at this letter? It was written 2,000 years ago to a group of people living in Turkey. Uh, what does that have to do with you and me today? Well, like I said, this is a letter of grace, or you could say this is a letter of love. Uh, uh, Paul has a concern for the Ephesians. He spent three years ministering ab among them. At one point in time, he almost was murdered while preaching the gospel. A riot arose in Ephesus, and his friends had to keep him from going into the arena where all these people were rioting about what he was teaching, the gospel. They kept him from going in because they knew that he would be killed. And so they sent him away. And now he writes this letter to them expressing his love, care, and concern for them. So in a sense, that's what this letter's for. But the Holy Spirit inspired him to write that to us or for us today. One author gives us the purpose of this letter, and it's a fourfold, he says, purpose. Number one, it is designed to bring the recipients, and we would include ourselves, to bring us to a fitting appreciation of the plan of redemption as a scheme devised from eternity by God for the revelation of the glory of his grace. So number one, Paul wants us to understand what God has done for us from eternity, what he's determined and what he's accomplished. Secondly, he writes, to make us aware of the greatness of the blessing which we enjoy in being shares of this blessing. So he wants us to understand that. He wants us to be aware. Thirdly, to lead us to enter into the spirit of the gospel as a system which ignored the distinction between Jews and Gentiles and united all the members of the church into one living body destined to be brought into full conformity to the image of Christ. So he's bringing Jews and Gentiles together because they were separated, okay? Ethically, but also even religiously, he's bringing us together. And then fourthly, to encourage us to live worthy of the religion which had been delivered to us from the degradation of the he their heathen condition, especially, and exalted them to the dignity of the sons of God. So, uh, again, what we said before, if you want to summarize the book of Ephesians, seated in Christ in heavenly places, walk, therefore, because of you're in Christ, what it means, and then stand against the wiles of the devil. Sit, walk, stand. And if you know Psalm 1, verse 1, those three words are found there. So, with that kind of set aside, let's consider our text in our first point. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. In many ways, verses 3 through 14 
uh, Paul begins his letter with an outburst of praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So what is he doing there when he says, blessed be the Lord God? Is that the first time that that kind of praise goes forth? And the answer is no. He's reflecting the Bible. He's reflecting the Jewish worship. So for example, if you want to look at a few of those, we'll just uh, quickly look at a couple. Number one, if you go all the way back to Genesis we meet a fellow named Melchizedek who meets Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, for he was priest of the Most High. And he blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Notice that. Blessed be God for what he has done. Does that sound like what our text is saying? Blessed be God for what he has done. Again, if you go further on in Genesis, when Abraham sends his servant to get a wife for his son, we read in chapter 4, verse 27, when he is successful, in finding a wife for, his, for Abraham's son, verse 27, then that servant said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Notice, he says, Blessed be God. He has led me to provide, to uh, fulfill my mission what I was called to do. Thirdly, you hear the prayer of Solomon. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 8. Again, this is just a quick run-through of a few of these to prove this point. Chapter 8 of 1 Kings, and looking at verse 15. It, the king turned around and blessed the whole assembly of Israel. This is when he dedicates the temple, and he said, The Lord, let's see, I'm going to go back to verse 15. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who spoke with his mouth to my father David, and with his hand has fulfilled it. And then he goes on to describe that God has fulfilled the promise of building a dwelling place in Jerusalem, a temple for his name. So, uh, as one author says, time would fail me to describe all the places in the Bible where this kind of language, this declaration or description of praise, beginning with, blessed be the God and Father. Because he is blessed, he is also able to bless Blessed be the God and Father. He can bless us with every spiritual blessing. Back to our text. But notice where. Where are the blessings? What does it say? In heavenly places. What is he saying? They're there. They're permanent. 
The blessings that we receive from God are permanent. They're in heaven. Can anybody steal the blessings that God gives you if they're in heaven? Can anyone take it out away from you? No. Those blessings are permanent. Everything we need in heaven and in earth are in view. He's blessed us with everything. Does that ever cross your mind? How often does it cross your mind? That everything, everything I have, everything is a gift from God, His grace. I am blessed in Christ. And it's in heaven because I am in heaven. Now, some of you will say, what do you mean? How are you in heaven? You're standing here on earth. Well, in chapter 2, he says, in Christ, we are already in heaven with him, positionally. So those blessings in Christ are in heaven. But notice also, yes, notice also, that is the key, in Christ. That's the key in the letter. That's the key in Paul's writing. It is the most important concept. Either you are in Adam, we've said this before, for those that haven't been here before, every one of us are born in Adam. We're under the curse of Adam. And we live like Adam, we sin. That's every human being born. Or, by God's grace, he translates us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Or another words for that is, I'm in Christ. There's two kinds of people in the world. You're either in Adam or in Christ. Do you understand that? We don't divide by race. We don't divide by gender. We don't divide by anything biblically. You're either in Adam, and where is your eternal state? Where are you going if you're in Adam? Destruction. Or you're in Christ, in heavenly places. So let me ask you that question. So where are the eyes of your heart right now? When you are struggling with trials, temptations, or even blessings, what are we to do? We're supposed to look up. Is that what Paul's telling us to do? Look up. Look at God. Look at the Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Is a trial a blessing for if you're in Christ? It is. It may not feel like it. As the one hymn says, behind a frowning providence, I see a smiling face. Even the difficulties we face, cancer or death or the loss of a loved one or whatever, the negatives, loss of a job or whatever. Is there a blessing in it if you're in Christ? Is that working together for the good for you? And the answer is yes. Paul will argue that in Romans. So the question is, where are your eyes? Do you have these kind of eyes looking to the blessing that is found from the Father? Secondly, the second point, how vast the blessings in Christ. Look at verse 4. Just as he chose us in Christ, in him, before the foundation of the world. So there he says, just as God who is love, chose to love us. Last night, yesterday afternoon, I hope you don't mind, we saw 
the fruit of two people that chose to love one another. We saw a marriage, right? Did you first choose God, or did God first choose you? Paul says he chose us when? Before there was creation. Before we existed. Before anything existed, he says God chose us, loved us in the beloved. Notice that. He loved Christ from all eternity, and he loved those, loves those in Christ from all eternity. Do you understand that? Before time, before creation, from eternity. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 25, verse 34. Then the king will say to those of, on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. From the foundation of the world. In Christ, the kingdom was prepared. So why? Why did God do that? What is the purpose? Why are we here then? Why isn't it that we believe in Jesus and we're out of here? Why is it that we pass through this time, uh, as one author writes, this veil of tears, the sin-cursed world that is at war with God? What? What's the purpose of all this? Well, notice he gives us that purpose in verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that, you could translate that, for the purpose that, what? We should be holy and without blame before him. So what is the purpose of all this? And the answer is that we would be holy, set apart, distinct, belonging to God, and that we should be blameless before him. Again, justified. And so he says, God has chosen us to holiness, to be like him, to be made into the image of Christ. And that work of sanctification is making us more like Jesus. And sometimes that sanctification hurts, right? Just like surgery hurts. That sword of the Spirit turns two ways, right? Blessing and judgment. But for us, it is that we would be made like Jesus. That we would be able to stand before Jesus justified, declared righteous before God. That is the purpose of his election. Not just to save us from hell, but to make us like Jesus. So that when someone sees you, they don't see you, they see Jesus. Isn't that the desire of your heart? Would you like that? Would you like that? That when, when your neighbor comes to you, they say to you, I see Jesus in you. You ever had that happen? You ever had someone say, are you a Christian? I see how you act at work or whatever. 
I see you're different. What is it about you that's different than me? It's because of Jesus, the work of the Spirit. This is what Paul is saying there. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessing. He's chosen us, number one, in Christ from before eternity, that we should be like him, that we should be holy. I don't know about you, but I can't think of a better blessing that when someone sees me, they see Jesus. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, please come and talk to me afterwards. Verse 5, notice also, the translator stuck in love in the wrong place. That's why I read it the way I did. In love, he's talking about in Christ, in love, having predestined us to adoption by Jesus Christ to himself. Notice that. In his love, he predestined us from eternity to be adopted. Does the child choose to be adopted by the parent? Or is it the parent or the couple or the individual that adopts the child? Think about it. Adoption is the act of the father and mother in a human case. And in this case, God the Father, why is it that we are called, we can say, our Father who art in heaven? Any of you children here in the congregation, James, do you ever call me Father? Thank you. We're not, uh, we're not Roman Catholic here, okay? But the fellow sitting there, do you say dad or father? He's your father. And you call him father, and that's a correct statement. Thank you. Can anyone in Adam say father? Abba, father, if they are not in Christ? And the answer is no. What happens? One of the things that happens when he saves us, when he brings us into that relationship with Christ, he adopts us. We have the right to call God Father. Is that important to you? If not, where are you? And so he goes on to say, again, let's look at that again. In love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Notice that. He predestined us. Paul, in another place in Romans, explains this golden chain of love in Romans chapter 8, verses 28. You know 28. We all know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So in that word foreknew, it could be translated, whom he loved before all time, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son. Is that what I was saying earlier about being made in Christ? that he's predestined us to be conformed into the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. 
whom he called, he also justified, whom he justified, he also glorified. And if you notice, all of those verbs are what? Are they future, present, or past? They're all past. In Christ, you are already glorified. If you can, if you can grasp that. And then we see in verse 6, another blessing in Christ from the Father to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Is that important to you? To be accepted by God. To be accepted in Christ. Many struggle to be accepted in the world. To be accepted by their peers. To be accepted by their family. Well, here he says the most important family is the family of God. And in Christ we're accepted. Not only so, the writer of Hebrews says, and we have boldness to come into his presence to find mercy and help in time of need. Because why? We're accepted in Christ. Is that a blessing? I hope I'm repeating myself in multiple ways. I hope you understand how vast is the blessings of God in Christ. So what should be our our, our response to this. Number one, confidence. I'm loved. I belong to Jesus. He's my faithful Savior. With his precious blood, he is fully satisfied for all my sins, has redeemed me from all the power of the devil, and so preserves me that not a hair can fall from my head, unless he determines it to do so. Hey, all things are his gift to me. Secondly, it should drive us to humility. This is grace. This is anything I earned or deserve. This is the gift of grace. And notice the third point, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Why are you blessed? What is the purpose of God choosing individuals in Christ? Paul says it's to the praise and the glory of God the Father. So when we say, Abba, Father, to God, is that another way of saying thank you? Is that taking the truth of what Paul is saying and applying it to yourself when you say, Our Father, who art in heaven, my Father, who art in heaven, Daddy, if you will. Abba is the Greek word for Father, Daddy. We have that childlike, do, do you have that childlike response of faith and love to call out to God as Father. He says to us, children of his, ask, seek, knock. Do you do so? Do you talk to him? Do you pray? Do you ask for the things that he wants to give? What about thankfulness for all his fatherly care? You say, thank you for, for giving me my daily bread, my daily breath, for the ability to be alive and be in one. you ever say thank you? Another one is, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Do you wake up in the morning? Do you pray that prayer? Okay, God, I have to do this or that today. Whatever I do, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Do you pray that? Is that your daily prayer? I'm here to serve you, not myself. What do you want me to do today? If you don't, put it into practice. Jesus taught us to pray that way, didn't he? So these are ways that we can glorify God the Father. Again, what does Paul say? That we should be holy, set apart for him, living for him. 
that we should be blameless in his presence, that we should be family, sons and daughters of God, bringing honor and glory to our heavenly Father, that, we, that he would be praised and glorified through time and eternity through us. That's what Paul is saying here in our text today. How does your heart respond? The center of your being. Are these words, oh, I'm tired, that was a long night last night, I can't wait for this thing to be over with. Do you, does your heart hear, do you hear what Paul is saying? Blessed be the God and Father who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly, in Christ. I could go on, but I'm going to close with that. And let us pray. Father in heaven, these words are so precious. Describing your love, they are so precious to us. We pray that you would break any walls, any hindrances from truly receiving what you are saying to us through the Apostle Paul, through the Spirit of God. That these words of encouragement, these words that are designed for us to grasp at least in a small portion of your love, your grace towards us. Enable us, O Lord, to do so. And enable us, O Lord, to respond appropriately in thanksgiving, in prayer, in praise, and in hearing and doing what you would have us to do. For we exist because of you and for you. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.